Come live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. We're excited about tonight. Black History Celebration um, will commence here in just a moment, and then at 7 p.m., we'll do the professional experts. We'll get them in here. But right now, I am Princess Cooper welcoming in my co-host, Duck Riley. How are you, sir? Doing, doing well, Princess. You, you're still <laughs> laughing from that thread, so hey. I don't know know if I can trust you or not. I don't know. I got to check with my homeboy. (laughs) Duck, he's not on yet, but Duck, I just saw that, hey, they're wearing some new uniforms and they're wearing wearing all black, no no gold, no blue, no navy, and they're going to wear it for spring game and they're going to wear it against Penn State. You know, I just thought it was pretty neat, Duck. <laughs> but I got the reaction I wanted to from Jason. <laughs> oh yes, look, he he better be. He should be nervous. <laughs> he should be nervous. It's going to be a good game, Duck. I think that West Virginia has taken another step in their talent and their production on the field. Um, you know, so l- let's see what happens. I did want to ask while we're waiting on Dr. Alexander to get in here, is this Colorado's first year back into the Big 12? Am am I correct about that? Correct. Okay. Okay. So um, um, I I know that the Big 10, the SEC, and the Big 12 have new teams that they will have in the the conference. It's going to be – a heck of a college football season. I can't wait. And at the end of that, there will be 12 standing and not just four standing. So, um, Duck, you will play a commercial if you want to go check on Dr. Alexander. If you want to do that? Yeah, I just I just text him uh, to call in. Okay. Okay. All right. As well, a reminder. We'll wait. All right. Well, we'll we'll wait on that. What else can I ask you? There's so many different things here. You know, I can make a statement, Duck, that it's the most betted. Um, game the Super Bowl, $286 million was bet on the Super Bowl. And on FanDuel, um, they bet $300 million. How about that, Duck? For instance, I wouldn't bet a dollar, but okay, I guess you. <laughs> and there was a line at Vegas on whether um, uh, Travis Kelsey and was going to propose to Taylor Swift after the game. You you, you had an opportunity to bet on that too. Your thoughts about that one? Question. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Hey, look, but I tell you what, the the NFL they got their money's worth out of it this year. They they need to bring her back because she helped them get all kind of ratings, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She improved the audience. As a matter of fact. Um, a 9% increase overall, but um, uh, uh, I think it was like a 22, 23% increase in young ladies, of course, um, you know, from the ages of 15 to 23. And as Roger Goodell said, I'm all for it. Whatever gets more eyes on the NFL 
that's what we want. And Taylor Swift um, did that for sure, you know. Um, so Super Bowl. All I know is why did I want to know why did they have a, a, a Super Bowl at Usher's concert? <laughs> they played a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Look, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to go back and see the the the, the halftime performance because um, you know I think that's a, I saw. so hey, you know Princess, Rev asked I saw me that. <laughs> okay what were your thoughts what were your thoughts <laughs> on a scale of one to ten what do you give it <laughs> and what was your answer. <laughs> um, I gave it an eleven. <laughs> I, I, I even hey, said it was the best I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, Princess, all I know is, you know, when nobody talking about the game from the women's side of it, they talking about the shirt coming off. <laughs> I can't wait to tell Ricky Porter. <laughs> King Jay Hayes oh, and, and the crew oh, yes. <laughs> about that. Oh yeah, they'll love that. So now, right, we're gonna take a take take a little break, uh, Princess. Let me let right. me try it again. Okay, never had a two good sports talk radio. We are trying to do Black History Celebration. We love doing this, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Never Had It Radio. And find us on Facebook, Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Taking a break. We'll be right back. When I was a young boy, I had visions of things. They were wild and they were free. They were blessed with money. And then I grew older. And I saw what We never had it so good sports radio again. Um, it's February, and we're doing a lot of Black History celebration. And today we're going to talk to Dr. Alexander. We're going to get him in here. But before that, let me welcome in my co-host, Duck Riley. I am Princess Cooper. Tim Moore will join us shortly. Duck, how are you again, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Prince. I got to give a shout-out to my boys over at uh, Super Eagle Auto Care, Drew, Zach, and Iris, for taking all my money. Now I got to get a job, Princess. <laughs> You're going to give them a shout-out anyway, and they got some of your money, Duck. They took oh, your yeah. lot Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I got to make sure I got to make sure you send this back so I can play it for him. Cause hey, they took all my money. Get me, I I got to fly out uh, Monday going to Atlantic City. <laughs> You're not gonna even bet. Whatever, Duck. That's not gonna even happen. <laughs> we got to get with them and just um um get a commercial and and just thank them. We can do that. We're gonna get them a commercial okay. and get that played here. But let's welcome in Dr. Alexander to the show. Dr. Alexander, how are you, sir? <laughs> All is well on my side of the tracks. Um, I'm glad you, and I appreciate you guys inviting me to the table so we could talk about a few things. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you taking the time. All right, Duck, you will, I'll go ahead and get started, and I'll come on in um, when I can. Okay. All right. Uh, Dr. Alexander, let's, let's take take us all the way back where it started for you, uh, where you grew up. And, and kind of some of the trials and tribulations that you went through. Yeah, I, I can't tell you, you know, talking about black history uh, in Charlotte, and I am a Charlottean, um, my journey started when we were uh, young over in the Deerworth area, over uh, near Deerworth Elementary School, and we grew up, um, you know, we lived in the houses over there, but those were the, the houses where the whites would, would buy houses for their maids and let them rent them. So my mom, my grandmother, one of my aunts, we all, we all, um, our parents were maids to the people that lived in the Deerworth area. And we had a house over there and we had a three, fa- it was three families living in there. And see, a long time ago, y'all, the, the, the a lot of families living in one house, that's nothing new. You know, the Mexicans do it. The, the Asian families does it. So we've been doing it for for a long time living together. And, you know, that made us close, but at the same time, um, we were kind of segregated. And I can't say that my brothers and a couple of my cousins, since we were all living together, we they went to Dealworth Elementary School, and that was like in the early, um, I want to say early, late 60s maybe, late 60s, early 70s. They were in elementary school, and that was one of the times when I discovered um, I didn't trust uh, our Caucasian brothers and sisters. And one of the reasons why is they told my brother and one of my cousins that they don't have to do nothing. Just come to school and be in class. You ain't got to do nothing. And my brother believed that, and he he ended up going through school, didn't learn nothing um, um, the whole time because he trusted the uh, the Caucasian teachers that told him that they didn't have to do anything. So my brother ended up in those what we used to call trick classes where the kids was in the trailers and um, they was in there pretending like they was doing ABCs and one two threes, but at the same time they were just in a trailer being babysat all day. Um, so that was the first experience we had with uh, trying to keep the African-American people down, um, trying to keep the students from learning. Uh, it came from the idea that, that we didn't have to do anything when we got in these classrooms. And some of the kids believed that. So it wasn't just my brother. It was a lot of a lot of students where they said, you, you ain't got to do nothing. They, in other words, they were patronizing them so they don't show off or they don't do anything bad. And they held those kids back. It took a long time for for some of them to, to catch up with, with the curve, if you know what I mean. And there was a place over – back then there was a store called A&P, and it was in Dealworth, uh, right behind the, the uh, Family Dollar store. And the A&P store used to allow the blacks to come in and shop, 
but it used to always be somebody following the, the shopper around in the store. And, you know, it was five of us, my brothers and sisters. And my mom used to tell us, you, you, you don't have to follow me around the store. I'm not going to steal anything. Um, you know, quite as kept, my mom was eating all the grapes, you know, in the store. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was funny. She, she didn't realize she was stealing grapes. But, you know, I, I said to myself, who don't walk around the store eating fruit? Um, so that was so, that was some of the things that we learned early on on how things was and the black community and how we ended up, you know, going to school with whites and and you know how we was affected of you know by by fellowshipping with the with our our Caucasian brothers and sisters. Okay, now you you, you know you talk about growing up like that. Now once you reach uh, middle school, high school, how how was it? It was great because we went back then. We went to the schools that you know we was in the community, and most of all our classes were all black. And um, all you know, thank God we had you know African American teachers. Um, the community looked like us. The school looked like us. The classroom looked like us. So we were able to school from middle school to high school, um, especially the middle school area was was all black. Um, we lived over in the South Side home area, so some of us went to Kennedy um, Junior High School, and some of us went to Sedgefield uh, Junior High School, and we was big rivalries in the community and big rivalries, as, you know, opposed to going to school. But by the time we got to high school, it got mixed up. Um, went over to Myers Park High School, um, and, you know, it's definitely uh, blacks and whites going to school there, and that was a pretty good experience. Um, you know, we was all on the same uh, level uh, playing field as far as education go, and most of us was on the same playing field with athleticism, being you know having the uh, the idea of running track and playing football. Um, the playing field was level, so it was it was a pretty good experience. And that was that was like late seventies when by the time I got in high school, it was like seventy eight, seventy nine, somewhere in that area. Okay, so in high school, I don't know, and you talked about us being in the community, people that look like us, where it's a lot different now than it was back then because I don't know, you know, growing up in West Virginia, that if you did something wrong, not only did the parent or somebody else discipline you, also you 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 home. How was it like that? Very very similar, Um, but, you know, back then, you can get uh, disciplined at school. So the principal would take take some skin off your butt, and then they would call <laughs> your mom. The teacher would, teacher would call your mom, and by the time you got home, uh, four or five other family members done took some skin off your butt. Um, so, you know, it was a community raising a community. I can tell you that. Um, we, had, we had the camaraderie of knowing everybody. Everybody knew you. Um, Everybody could tell if you was going to make something of yourself in the community that we grew up in. But that was kind of like across the board. Um, like I said, you know, I came across uh, school when um, we were we were one of the first classes to segregate schools, even from, uh, from preschool to primary school to elementary school. Um, then we went to middle school. We was kind of almost like a mixed con- uh, concept. But it wasn't quite as mixed as it could have been because busing had got started then, and 
we started doing some things along with our our, our, our our Caucasian brothers and sisters. So we start filling each other out, and we start kind of doing a lot of stuff together. But far as that community, that community network, that was that was that was a given. Um, you know, you got your butt whooped from the from school all the way home. It, you know, because we walked to school. You know, it wasn't like we was we was on buses. So if you showed off in school, your mama got you from from the from the classroom. You was getting walked all the way home, getting your butt tore up. And you know, we we very rarely had fights. You know, the communities were just tight like that. Um, we 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 got along with each other, and things were good. But things were not. You know, when it came to race relations, um, things weren't as good as it could have been, um, because you know. Um, we were conditioned to be, um, we were condition, conditioned to be project um, black. We were conditioned conditioned to be poor, whereas our, our Caucasian brothers and sisters they had a different kind of conditioning. They came from across the tracks, so to speak. Um, they had substance. Um, we were we were begging for substance, and we were we were scratching the surface for substance. And it kind of you could you can tell the difference, but we live within our means. And, you know, in, in a real true sense, although it seemed like we were poor, we were happy to be where we was. Yeah, you brought up an interesting point about on the other side of the tracks because that's how we were divided. The whites yeah. were on one side and we were on the other side of the tracks. And was it kind of similar with growing up in Charlotte? Yeah, very much so. But, you know, we we say we say the tracks, but... At the end of the day, it was you knew you was in the community uh, where African Americans lived because you saw ABC stores, you saw the Family Dollars and the Goodwills. You knew you was in the community for blacks, based on the the um, the, the type of stores that were uh, in our communities. You had what we call, and they had old food. They had you know you know bread that was two three days old. You know, the milk was a week out, that kind of stuff. We, we, we If we wanted to go to a, a grocery store, we had to travel to it, or you had to get the, the – uh, back then it was it was like an Uber where the, where the old man would sit around at the grocery store with his car and wait and see if you need a ride home. We, we, had, we had it that way if you wanted to get some real groceries. But we had, we had different it – was, it was different, but we were used to it or what I call conditioned to it, where we didn't think nothing was wrong with it. Um, and, and when you know, I, I learned something a long time ago, that if you can't see change, you can't make change. And some of the things that we wanted to do, we didn't see it because it was, it was normal to us. And if we didn't see it, we didn't do nothing about it. We didn't do nothing about making sure we had uh, uh, great good stores in our community. We only had what we had because that's what we were used to. Yeah, I, I get it. And when you talk about some of the uh, things, I'm going to let Princess jump in here because you were talking about old bread, old milk, and stuff like that. And I think we weren't used to that either because my mom, she made everything from scratch. So oh, we yeah. didn't have to deal with a lot a lot of that, uh, you know, going to the store, getting old bread and things of that nature. So I'm going to turn you over to Princess and we'll keep this thing going. Okay. Yeah, and I want to welcome in our other co-host, Tim Moore. Tim Moore, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Princess. I'm enjoying this discussion. Carry on. Awesome, awesome. 
Okay. All right. So, um, um, Dr. Alexander, you mentioned discipline and how it started at school and carried on at home. Uh, Did you have some family that was in the education role, um, teachers and principals or teachers in in your family at that time, or or was it, you know, being raised by the village? Yeah, no, we had some real tight uh, parental guidance. Um, Our parents, you know, in a real true sense, they were right out the cotton fields and right right off from um, working, you know, in a domestic uh, kind of concept. But our parents were wise enough to make sure that we had a little bit better education than they were getting. Now, they were also wide enough, wise enough to make sure that they got the resources we need um, to make us uh, a better uh, student. So, no, we didn't have teachers and we didn't have um, educators in, in, our, in our community. Keeping in mind, our community was what we call the projects. And we were, we, you know, if you, if you was an educator, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure you didn't too much live in the projects. Now, later on, um, our community did have educators because the community was surrounded by a plethora of churches. And within the church, we had educators that were in the church that aided us. So when we were we were trying to get our work done, we would go by to the church house, and the church house would give us the necessary tutoring we needed or give us the necessary bodies that or the wherewithal to perpetuate us to a better uh, way of, of, of learning. Um, do you remember the first time you heard the N-word directed towards you? I remember it vividly, and I remember it vividly from my, my children when they came home. Do you remember that? Oh, most definitely. Um, when I was, uh, I probably wasn't even in school, um, and we were living in the Dealworth community, and um, my mom was our barber. My mom cut our hair, my brother and myself. And one particular time, the clippers was a little bit too close, and my neck uh, bump, had that razor bumps on them. So I went to the barber shop that was up the, up the road from where we lived in the Dealworth community, and I asked the, um, the barber in there, I, where when I walked in the door, I found out it was a white um, barber shop. And when I walked in the door, the the, the barber immediately said, um, "Excuse me, N word. Uh, we don't do your kind." And I was being polite because parents always taught us to be polite. And I said, "Well, I didn't come to get a haircut. I just wanted to know if you had some cream for these razor bumps." And um, he said, "There's a colored barber shop." You know, talking in his. Uh, in his native tongue, yeah, and he directed me to a <laughs> directed me to a barber shop down the road for the for the colors. Um, he changed his N word to colored, and um, you know that was kind of the first experience I had. And if you notice, um, I was able to regurgitate that right away because that in, that stayed with me up until yeah uh, up until this day. It, it just kind of resonated with me. And sometimes I tell the story um, of how. Um, people talked to us, and they thought it was okay. Wow. Wow. Tim? Okay. Tim probably is on mute. Okay. Go ahead. Well, there were some times when – I'm sorry, Tim. 
No, I, I was just – this is uh, Coach Riley again. I, I'm just okay, – I want to just ask, when did you receive your calling? Oh, man. Um, the calling to the ministry came early in life. Um, we was living in the projects. I was about uh, 10 or 11, and God came to me, and, he, you know, I'm a dreamer, so I, I get I get a lot of my visions from from dreams. And I was I was walking um, in the community, and somehow or another, I, I found myself laying on the ground um, in a resurrected uh, position. And I told my grandmother, who was part of our life always, that what had happened to me, and she she told me talking to me, and you know, of course, me being a project brother, I um, I wasn't hearing it. Um, so I, I made, I made the assumption that, that was my first call. And after, after that, um, after that, I, um, I just kept running from, from, from God's call. Um, here's the reason why, because of the community I grew up in, um, there's no way that we're going to have a preacher in that community. And if you if you call yourself a, a a preacher or you call yourself uh a child of God working in that neighborhood, you're just gonna get jumped on. And I, I wasn't I wasn't gonna have that. So I just ran from the call, ran from the call. But just like anything, if you know that God is calling you, you're gonna find your way and God gonna find a way to get you to uh serve him and that's that's what happened. So probably in my teen years I I, I accepted what God was calling, but I didn't call myself a preacher because I was bad as all get out um, when I was in high school. I mean, I, I wasn't having it. I was I was a product of my environment, uh, bar none. Um, if you look product of your environment up in the dictionary, you will see my pictures. <laughs> so Kim, we, do we, we have we you? Do, we... Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead, Tim. We got about three minutes. Um, just, just share if you would. You know, your your story sounds so familiar to me, and I know I know uh, Douglas was noting similarities that things that he recognized. Uh, talk to me about what it was about growing up uh, the way that you did and having to deal with those obstacles that informed uh, you during a, a, a time in your professional career that you faced some kind of adversity, how you were able to look back on something and say, okay, uh, you know, my mother said something to me that prepared me for this, or my pastor told me something that prepared me for this. Share that with us if you would. Well, I think my biggest impression was in high school when the high school assistant principal told me that I wasn't going to be nothing. And I was gonna be a bum, and he was he was talking about the way I behaved in school, the way I cut classes, the way I talked to adults. He said, "You gonna you gonna be nothing when you when you become a man," and I just refused to believe that. And the irony in that is, I ended up marrying his cousin. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I I I when I saw him. In church, he came to the wedding, and I and he saw me. He was like, "Oh," and you know, I said, "Now I'm in your family. This nothing is in your family." 
and and turns out he and I became the best of friends um, because he saw the change. And the change came when me being a product of my environment, seeing all my friends or a lot of my friends uh, stoop to violence, um, end up in jail, or maybe even murdered. I saw all of that. And if that don't change you, I don't know what can. So I saw that in my community. I saw myself um, I saw myself where I can be a better man. And thank God for people who came in my life, who sowed a seed in my life, that changed me to be the man that I am today. Francis? Yeah, that's powerful right there. That is really powerful. Duck, will you have anything else before we get ready for the next show? We have about 30 seconds. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm just glad that you decided to come on with us, uh, Reverend Dr. Alexander. It was a great pleasure meeting you, and instantly I felt a connection. Again, Princess, that super eagle auto care who took all my money. You need to pray for him, Reverend. You need to pray on him. God bless you. Believe me, they got two or three cars out of my money, too. Well, y'all, just invite me. I I apologize for coming on late. I I appreciate you guys hearing my story. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great week. Um, This has never had it so good with Tim and Duck. And thank you to Dr. Alexander for being a part of our Black History Celebration. We're going to get out of the way now for the professional experts. We'll see you in about 30 seconds.